Hey guys, on today's podcast, it's going to be part one of a two-part series where we're going to be breaking down the Utah State football schedule game by game. So today's episode, we'll have games one through six, and then on Friday's episode, we'll have games seven through 12. So stay tuned for that and enjoy today's episode. From the campus of Utah State University, we bring you the Statesman Sports Desk Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Statesman Sports Desk Podcast. I'm Dalton Rinshaw, and as always, I have Jason Walker here with me. How's it going, Jason? It's going. And we got a special guest today, uh, dear friend of mine, Stephen Box. How's it going? Good. How are you? Emphasis on special. Yeah. Well, we'll find that out later. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how his takes wow. are. Wow. <laughs> oh, I've, I've got a brother named Steven, so uh, you've got high expectations to live up to. Okay. Or maybe real low ones. We'll, we'll have to find out. If we're talking about sports, real low expectations. Okay. Yeah. Okay. At the start of this podcast, it'll be Steven, but maybe by the end, it'll be Stefan. We'll find out. Steph. Yeah. I'll, I'll just make the transition. <laughs> just sniping, just all over the place. Yeah. Great takes here, there, everywhere. <laughs> But so speaking of that, um, we have maybe a game that Utah State hopes to snipe. It's going to be their first game of the season. Let's just start right getting right into it. Um, Wake Forest. Yeah, it's just, I mean, look at the schedule. I think uh, last year, their first game, this, it's kind of a coincidence as far as being the first game and as far as my take, but Michigan State was a really good barometer game last year. Yeah. Because it was kind of a back end power five team. I also said power 12 team. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> yeah. That'd be, that's like, spread the wealth a little more. That's yeah. like everybody plus two conferences. Yeah. I don't know. Whatever. Like include the Ivy yeah, League. Like col- the Colonial or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, Wake Forest, they're not as good as Michigan State was last year. I mean, they, I think they're ranked below Utah State in some major polls. They said I know one Phil Steele's. I'm just sitting here with Phil Steele's big old magazine in front of me because I haven't done my major college football <laughs> research yet. Um, but the one thing I, I feel good about is just saying that Wake Forest could be a barometer game because if Utah State comes in and they beat Wake Forest, especially because yeah. it's on the road, then that's a pretty good indication Utah State's going to at least be decent. Because last year when Utah State went toe-to-toe with Michigan State, even though they lost, everyone was really positive about that game. The football team was obviously disappointed, and Matt Wells kind of – I don't know, he was kind of snarky sometimes yeah. with the uh, moral victory yeah. comments. But – I mean, as close as they got, you can kind of understand that. But, I mean, at the same time, there was a ton to take away. So, like, yeah. it was so definitely a good experience. Yeah, it's so like once we saw that, and, and I've said it before in this podcast, I thought that was Jordan Love's best game of the year. Granted, we couldn't really tell that then because he right. still had 11, 12 games to play, however many there were. Yeah, 13. Um, so, but you could tell, like, Jordan Love had a really good performance. The offensive line did well. The run game, there were some concerns there, but it eventually got better. But, like, pretty much everything about that game, except for the fact that Utah State lost, showed positive signs. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we can see that something very similar for Wake Forest because we're going to get down to some of these later games like LSU. Uh, that's a lot less winnable, and it will be a lot harder to draw stuff from that, as well as, you know, Stony Brook. It's hard to learn from those games, whereas Wake Forest, you know, if they lose to Wake Forest, that's not a great sign. Obviously, it's not the end-all, be-all. Right, right. But it could be a really good barometer for – what Utah State can do this year. Yeah, and I think just kind of looking at it, you know, from a 10,000-foot view or whatever, you can say, okay, Wake Forest, they were, you know, 7-6 and six last year and not a very good team, uh, you know, ACC team, so you got to have a little respect there. But you, I mean, when you actually start looking into it, it's 
kind of interesting because they're almost a little bit opposite of Utah State, just statistically, excuse me, where their offense was in the tops in um, a lot of categories. They're first in plays per game. Uh, they're sixth in rushes per game. But they're kind of imbalanced, and they weren't necessarily the most efficient. But their defense really struggled last year. They're 102nd in the nation in opponents points per game. So there's definitely things that Utah State can exploit. Um, but I think it'll be more of a, a par playing level, right, than compared to, like you say, U LSU. Not much you can learn from that, uh, yeah. you know, unless they miraculously beat them or something. Yeah, that would be amazing. Right. Oh, and to start off, too, it'll be a great opportunity for Utah State's offense to kind of, you know, kind of get their bearings that they're not, like you're saying, going against like a stout defense that their offensive line, who's pretty much all going to be brand new, will have an opportunity to kind of get their bearings see what works, what doesn't work, um, and move forward with that. And then obviously give our defense a little bit, you know, which maybe might be our a little bit more of a strength this year, give them an opportunity to really, you know, mm -hmm. clamp down and, and go against a, a good offense. Yeah, I mean, it'll be a, a good test, kind of like you're saying, the Michigan State game last year. I mean, it's a great way to start off your season because I'm, for one, kind of a, of the opinion, I don't really love the, like, start off against a Powerpuff team. That's awful. It, yeah. I don't think that really gives you anything. Although they are playing Stony Brook the next week, and so I don't know if you can really say that they're completely avoiding that. But Yeah, well, the Utah State just there in that little where they always play, you know, the FCS schools that right. they'll wail on. Just like every team that's not, you know – there's there's two sides of the coin. There's the teams that get whaled on, the teams that you know whale on other teams. Exactly teams. right. And Utah State's one of those. They schedule the people, and they pay them to come in and get their butts whipped by forty points. Yeah, but I mean, you could look at it in one way where it, at least it might have played out that way last year, where you know they have the really tough game against Michigan State. You can learn some things, take away, and then you have a really good game the next week against Tennessee Tech, where you can kind of try some things out, tweak some things, and it's kind of almost nerfed a little bit right against the opponent where yeah. you can kind of take some risk and see if some things might help further down in the season, just kind of, you know, playing around with some different things. Yeah. Right. If I remember right, I, I try to remember the, was it Tennessee tech that we faced right after? Or was it New Mexico state? Um, actually I think you might be right. It might be New Mexico state. Let me look that up. But who unfortunately for last year was probably about on par with Tennessee tech. So yeah. Yeah, after the real barn burner of a bowl game the <laughs> season that was, before. That was awful. Um, yeah, it was New Mexico State. Yeah, right. if I remember, I'm trying to see, look in there, I wonder if, I think if Utah State ran the ball a lot better um, in that game. Because I think they did. Because Jordan Love statistically actually didn't do very well, although when you watched it on film, it wasn't nearly as bad as his stats state because he was like 51%. Right. Had an interception. But he actually wasn't as bad as his stats say. But No. Uh, yeah, that was a game where they really did shine. They had 300 yards of rushing uh, total. They averaged 5.7 yards yeah, per carry. Yeah, so I, and I think that was one of the reasons things they wanted to focus on because against Michigan State, they had like – It really struggled. Yeah, like 30 yards. I, I mean, Darwin Thompson yards, had, yeah. had like two touchdowns, but he himself had oh, probably 25 of those. Yeah, right. Uh, Gerald Bright, I think, had like four carries the entire game. And uh, Jordan Love had like one carry for a touchdown. Yeah. Okay, so let's let's kind of um, get on track a little bit here. Uh, um, <laughs> we're going to last year's schedule, <laughs> right? Yeah, we're gonna go all the way back to last year. But so since we got you know twelve <laughs> games on the schedule, um, can't really spend a ton of time for each team. So we're gonna keep maybe these like three or four minutes per each team, kind of go through. We're gonna do this in two parts. So 
Uh, part one will be through the Nevada game, and then we'll be back later in the week to break down the rest of the schedule. But so just some kind of parting things on Wake Forest before we move on to Stony Brook. Um, do you guys have anything else that you really want to point out for Wake Forest? I know I have a couple things, but I'll turn to you guys first. Well, I think Utah State's probably going to win the game because Wake Forest is obviously one of the weaker Power Five teams. Yeah. Um, so it'll be good. It'll be good to start off against a Power Five team and get a win. That's a really big boost because you know if you win that and then you win against Stony Brook, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cross your. I don't even know if you need to cross your fingers, but. But you know, going to an early bye week, funnily enough. Uh, yeah. Two and all, but yeah, that that could be a really good positive for a team that there's a lot of questions that are being asked. At least I'm asking a lot of questions. I think rightfully so. Yeah, there's there's a lot of things we need to find out about this team, and if you can prove that against a quality team like Michigan State, there are some questions about the wide receivers. We don't know a lot about some of these guys. They proved themselves in that first game. The offensive yeah. line proved. I had a lot of questions about the offensive line last year. Because uh, there's a year where they went six and seven, the offensive line, in my opinion, was awful. Yeah, and so I was like, "This is the exact same offensive line going into the last year." And I was like, <laughs> yeah. "Uh," and then they completely proved me wrong. Yeah. They were absolutely incredible last year, and they proved it against Michigan State. So yeah. there's a lot of things they can prove uh, here in Week One. Yeah. Right, like you're saying, I think it's a, a very unattainable win. It's something that will help boost their confidence a little bit. Obviously, switching coaching staff, playing styles, things like that. They're they're going to try and keep things pretty similar to what they did last year, um, but there's going to have to be some adjustments with with a new uh, coaching staff and Mike Sanford and Gary Anderson. Um, so that'll be great for them to to work out. Uh, as well as Wake Forest does have a great uh, wide receiver core, from what I was reading up on. They yeah. were saying that they're pretty good. Yeah, they actually so they lost their top receiver from last year, and then went ahead and got two four four star recruits in the off season, right. and have a little bit of depth in the position as well. So yeah, that's. But the one thing that's interesting about Wake Forest is that they have three guys on the roster that all could be competing for the starting job at quarterback. So right. I'm not quite sure if by that time they'll have locked down a starter. So that could be a game where you see you know Utah State obviously. Put putting a lot of pressure on them with some guys like Tipanalia, David Woodward, and then, right. you know, maybe shaking things up a little bit. Similar, you saw, obviously, there was an injury in the North Texas game, but similar to that where, you know, they really didn't seem settled throughout the whole game. Right. Yeah. If they can just go in there and dominate with an uncertainty of, of quarterback, it doesn't yeah. matter how good your wide receivers are, you're just going to shut them down. Right. That's better be the game plan because Utah State's secondary, you know, DJ Williams, and then there's – Again, I, I Shaq, Shaq Bond is a good corner. Yeah, but but you're well, right. I think he's gonna be playing safety. But they've got a couple of pieces. True. But their depth. That's the one we're asking questions. Where it's like they could have some guys, mm-hmm. but we don't know. We know DJ Williams and uh, Shaq Bond and I'm uh, Cameron Haney. Yeah, Cameron Haney as well. So Marcus we, we have Ingram. some names. Yeah. Um, they might not be able to stand up against top end talent, but the front seven is spectacular. Oh yeah. So if, if if the front seven can handle business up front, the secondary barely even has to get yeah. involved. Right. Yeah, I think you just wrote about that, actually, thinking that the front seven is probably going to be the best in the conference. Mm-hmm. That, yes, <laughs> just will be. Another, another <laughs> shameless plug for the work of the USU Statesman. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> but so anyway, so let's move into Stony Brook now, a game that, um, you know, probably a lot of people have questions about seeing Stony Brook on the schedule, where they might even be from, where they're located in the, the geography of the college <laughs> football landscape. But um, it's the first meeting. Even Division One, I, I don't even no, know. No, they're an FCS team. They uh, had a lot of, uh, I guess, a, ro- a rocky situation last year, you could say, just looking at the schedule. Um, I mean, I'll be honest. I, I did some research for this, but I don't know a ton about sure. Stony Brook. Who does? Right. We, I mean, yeah. we even had to find out what is a seawolf. Right. Oh, yeah. I was out there. 
Yeah, so a sea wolf, uh, that is their mascot. Um, if you would like to just like kind of stall for me real quick, I'll yeah. find out. There, there's a huge article on this that we need to bring up real quick. A huge article? I don't know. It's, for me, just, it's fun to see mascots. Um, I don't know if I should bring up the nerdiest thing I ever did. <laughs> Uh, out myself. Please do. No, I think you should. Yeah, okay, I, so I me, me and my brother, not not Steve, my brother Steve, it's my younger brother. We, uh, man, I'm really going to date myself as a nerd here. But, <laughs> so I, I like Pokemon. Um, and This is a pro Pokemon podcast. Okay, yeah, we're sure. good then. Um, but for the NCAA tournament, we went through all 64 teams, looked at their mascot, and picked a Pokemon for them. Oh, that's incredible. It's, it's a lot more interesting than you might think, especially because there's a lot of doubles, and you have to figure out, like, yeah. what's a Boilermaker for a Pokemon? I can't mm. even remember what we did for that one. Graveler. No. <laughs> I don't know. It's just a, a big, a big strong thing. Yeah, I can't. I can't. Anyways, I think we ended up. Cause I think Boilermaker ended up being a person, so we ended up going with something like Machoke or something. Okay. 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 That's a good pick. Good pick. Yeah, I think it was something from like Generation Four. I can't remember. Yeah, I'm, you've I'm, lost me after Generation yeah. Two. You've yeah, lost so me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can think of the Pokemon in my head, but I can't remember its right. name because it's one that I I'm more Generation One Two. I know all those, but yeah. We would yeah. digress. Yeah, but then actually we ended up going and battling all the teams nice. or all the Pokemon. So, so if you've ever wondered what a sea wolf is, um, <laughs> that now back to reality. Yeah, so you can just go on the Stony Brook website. I mean, who better to tell us than you know Stony Brook themselves? And they really went in depth here and said a sea wolf is a mythical sea creature, and according to the legend of the sea wolf, anyone fortunate enough to view it was subject to good luck. And that's all you need to know. Yeah, that was when I. S- you're saying sea wolves, I was thinking, is that Greek mythology, like Poseidon? It could be something else. It yeah. might be Norse. Well, obviously, Stony Brook hasn't seen one in a very long time. So, <laughs> yeah. for being an FCS school, uh, they had some idea. some good wins. We were looking over their schedule. They had some, like, good, like, ranked wins over FCS schools, but also some terrible losses. So Yeah, interesting. So, I don't know exactly what you're going to get with the Stony Brook team because – they did play a Mountain West team last year, and they lost thirty-eight to nothing in the opener against Air Force. Yeah, it was Air Force who went all five and seven. Right, and real powerhouse. Yeah, and then Sony Brook went out uh, through the rest of the season, and they ended up beating actually three of their five ranked opponents in the FCS last year, um, but only finished the, the season with seven wins. So kind of kind of an interesting turn of uh, turn of your schedule there. Yeah, you never really know with FCS teams. I yeah. imagine it's more granted I don't I'm not a expert or even much of a fan of FCS teams. Right. Weber State's about as close as I get to having any interest in I the think FCS. Appalachian State beating Michigan in two thousand seven is about as close as I've come to being a fan of an FCS. Yeah, that's just Absolutely. that's just that's just yeah. being a fan of an upset. Right. Appalachian exactly. State's not even an FCS team. Exactly. Anymore. They're just they moved right. up, heck they were I think they were ranked or got votes last I year. Think they, they, I'm pretty sure they won the Sun Belt by quite a big margin. Yeah. So they they're actually a decent football. Granted they when they beat Michigan they were like a top ten FCS team. Like they won the yeah. national title like a year before or like the runner right. up or something. Right. Right. But Stonerbrook's not that. They're probably more akin to Tennessee Tech who went what one of one eleven like the year before they faced Utah State? Yes, <laughs> in the right. FCS. Although Sonia Burke was seven and five or whatever the record was, seven wins. Yeah, seven and five. But, but so uh, go ahead. Talk over each other. Yeah, no, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> We're just so excited to talk about the Sony Brook Seawolves team. We can't control ourselves, but um, we'll rein it in. This is a game that you got to win by 30 or 40 points to be optimistic about it. Mm-hmm. If you only win by 20 or so points, then it's like eh, you, you did your job, or maybe there were some circumstances. Like when Utah State played Hawaii, Jordan Love got knocked out in the first half, and so yeah. there were some let's you know base expectations there. But 
you know, you got to look at it. This is a team you should beat. You should beat by a lot. You're going to be favored by 20 points or so. Or so. Do you think this is a game that we probably see uh, somebody like a Henry Columbia come in and get a lot of time? He should. Right. Hopefully by If half things time. are going well, right? If things are going well, he'll show up in the middle of the third quarter at least. Yeah. Um, and it'll probably be the only game where he shows up in the middle of the third quarter, yeah. except for maybe LSU. <laughs> <laughs> for the unfortunately, yeah. for, yeah. the, for the unfortunate well, and opposite reasons. See, you know, I, see, that's why I kind of like a game like this, though. And I, I know I bashed it a little bit earlier, but with the way that their running back position is kind of set up right now, where obviously you have Gerald Bright returning, and then you know, not necessarily a ton of um, certain depth in the position under that. Um, I'd like to see somebody get some carries in that game and yeah. kind of figure out maybe who might be a good second option behind him. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I think we've got three options at running back who all of whom could end up as the starter. Yeah. Uh, Gerald Bright's obviously the incumbent. I think he'll probably end up starting most of the season because mm-hmm. the coaching staff really likes him. Or like my last, the last coaching staff really liked him as a running back. We'll see this year. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that running back position falls. And, and like you were saying with uh, Wake Forest being kind of a barometer of a, of a test, I think that's the same thing with um, with Stony Brook is that you just have to be able to change some things up, try some new things out. But like you're saying, you should also be scoring lots of touchdowns with trying stuff out. Yeah. yeah. And it should be a fairly easy win, hopefully. Like you're saying, if it, a couple of years ago, it's a little bit of a tougher time when we played Idaho State. You guys remember that game, yeah? Uh, and we did not play very no. well. I think we ended up winning on a punt return. Yeah, uh, that, was, that was SUU, I think. Yeah, so the year prior was twelve nine against SUU, and it took into the fourth quarter for them to finally oh, get yeah. pull out a win there. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. The, the point kind of remains in previous history. USU sometimes had has has had a, a tough time against lower division opponents, but they were one of those lower sucky teams. That and, and yeah, right. that is that is very true. Maybe something to keep in mind, but. Um, we move on to the third game of the season. We have San Diego State away. Um, the history between these two teams, uh, Utah State's actually lost the last 10 matchups between the two, um, but only their, this will only be their third matchup since they moved to the Mountain West because of the scheduling, you know, them being in the western side of the conference. They don't play every year, but um, they lost the last two. Um, the last one by a pretty decent margin, but San Diego State necessarily isn't, as strong as a team as they were a couple of years ago. A couple of years ago, if you remember, they had guys like Donnell Pumphrey and uh, another guy I'm missing his name, but they had a really, really potent running game. And uh, last year, they really struggled on offense, at least statistically. They only scored 20 points a game last year and really didn't run the ball as well as they're used to. Um, but one side of the ball where they really were quite, quite dominant was um, on the defensive side of the ball and especially the line, linebacker group. Um, they have a guy named, uh, I hope I'm saying his name right. It's kind of a theme on this podcast, but yeah. um, Kiava Tazino. Uh, he was actually fourth in the Mountain West last year in tackles, uh, had 127, eight and a half sacks, just an absolute monster for what I've seen on tape of him. Um, and he'll be kind of leading that linebacking core. And there seems to be some other pieces around that, but I'm not quite sure either about this San Diego State team what we're going to see. I think they're a team that's definitely going to have some questions coming in the season as well. Well, they're definitely going to want to bounce back after losing what their last four games after going seven and two. Yeah. Um, they, I mean, obviously like a really good team at, at one point. I mean, I think that a they, lot of people Yeah. They all but had that conference wrapped up. Yeah. And then just kind of fell apart, especially against Fresno state. Um, so they have to be wanting to bounce back hard this season. Um, obviously being a couple of games in, 
to the season. Hopefully they will have figured some things out or maybe not, hopefully depending on, on which side uh, of the, <laughs> right, the stands right. you're, you're sitting on. But um, it'll be a great test for Utah State, like you're saying, with their defense. Um, obviously, traditionally, we kind of struggle with them, so hopefully that'll be a little bit better of an outcome. Yeah, it's a team that you've always got to respect. I mean, it's kind of like in basketball where Utah State lost a bunch of their games. They were better than San Diego State and ended up losing their first matchup. And, mm-hmm. I mean, in football, you're only, you're only going to get one matchup. So, right. despite, you know, the fact that, you know, yes, San Diego State was 7-6 and six last year and Utah State was 11-2. and two. Like, you're coming to this game, it's on the road. It's at San Diego State. So, you just kind of have to go in with the underdog mindset. You can't go in thinking we're better than this team. Even if Absolutely. Utah State's 2-0 and oh, and, I mean, San Diego State's playing, you know, Weber State, UCLA, New Mexico State. We'll see how that goes. Yeah. Um, they, they might be – what two and one, or depending on how good UCLA is, yeah. three and zero maybe. Yeah. So you just gotta have respect. I think one thing that's going for Utah State is they're gonna have a bye. Yeah. They're gonna have an extra week to prepare for San Diego State, which this could be. You know, we talk about Wake Forest being a barometer game. This could be, you know, like a Mountain West yeah. barometer where it's like, all right, we've we've had a couple of preseason games. Let's see where does Utah State stack up against what maybe one of the better Mountain West teams. Yeah, and I think this is definitely a game where, you know, you're going to have to use that buy to kind of over for, over prepare for the San Diego State team because there's probably not going to be a ton on tape to watch from them, um, you know, in, in those first three games and then not having played them since 2016. Um, I think, you know, you're going to really have to be prepared to face a team that you might not have all the answers to. And that's something, you know, with a completely new coaching staff in a lot of ways, it's going to be really interesting to see if they can, you know, how well their preparation goes because that was something that they did pretty well last year against, you know, not as good of opponents all the time, but something that they really excelled in last year. Right, and this could be a great game for them to really make a statement like you're talking about of if we haven't beaten them in, you know, ten the last 10 meetings to be able to go yeah. out and really, you know, that we are still the same team that we are from last year that – you know, yeah, we've had some changes over in, in the offensive line, you know, a lot of defensive positions that we're still going to be a top contender and not just, you know, that mid-range Mountain West. Well, And I think especially where San Diego State's strengths on defense, like I mentioned earlier, is, you know, stopping the run. And that's something that Utah State's going to be probably still figuring out at that time. But then they always have Jordan Love to fall back on. And you saw that a couple times last year where run game didn't really get going early on. And they could kind of put a little bit more of that load on his shoulders. And I think, you know, Utah State definitely has the tools to kind of change the game around if they need to in that respect. Yes, it'll be interesting about this this whole season. I mean, we look at the early part, but the whole season's going to be like this where you're going to rely on Jordan Love. Yeah. Because – the narrative again and again, we keep saying this is that there's a lot of missing pieces, but Jordan Love is the you know, defining piece coming back oh, yeah. on offense. So he's got to be the leader. He's got to you know lead the team. And last year he did this. Where well, you mentioned the games where the run game didn't do so well, Michigan State. Yep. There were a few others. I think Wyoming. You know, Wyoming was like outside of yeah. uh, Darwin Thompson's one big run. The run game never really got going. Yeah. Uh, but. Of course, Jordan Love didn't really lead him in the Wyoming game. <laughs> That's probably a bad example. That was his yeah. worst game. But, you know, against Michigan State and Boise State, he threw the ball really well. Yeah. Those are probably two of his best games in terms of overall mm-hmm. ability and what he had to do and how well he did it. Yeah. So maybe he'll have to do this against San Diego where he's playing good defense and he's got to be able to sling the ball around and we'll yeah. see who he's throwing to. By then we'll probably know who he's really throwing to. Well, but. 
And it'll be cool to see kind of the switch up from last year. We basically had an easy schedule last year, where this year is definitely going to be a lot more grinding out games. We only really saw yeah. that against Colorado State and Wyoming, yeah. where it was kind of a real just, you know, hey, like, let's get this done. We need this. And and quite honestly, I think that's kind of where they fell short last year in the Boise State game, unfortunately. Um, but hopefully this year that we'll be, you know, tried and true with, with this and, and be able to work through and just grind out those tough nose games, you know? Yeah. Um, well, and so uh, like you, like you mentioned the Colorado state game, that's actually the next game on the schedule. So tr- we'll transition to that here. Um, and a team that, although they really had, you know, what was a thriller of an ending yeah. in that oh, one, man. you were there, Jason, you can yeah. speak to that a little bit. <laughs> the thrill is, that's probably one of the best words to describe it in both directions. Yeah. <laughs> but so, I mean, that's something that I don't at least see um, them going into that game this year, it being at home, um, it being earlier on in the season, and Colorado State really kind of being depleted at a lot of the skill positions, at least on offense. And, uh, you know, they lose um, their best receiver, their best running back. They still have Colin Hill, who really kind of impressed me, at least in, you know, that Utah State game and some other games later on the season. But a team that still really has a lot of pieces to put together. Um, I guess that's kind of just a theme so far in the Mountain West is a lot of turnover and a lot of depth depletion here. But um, what do you guys see going into Colorado State that you think Utah State might be able to kind of pick up on? Uh, I think that's just a game you got to win if it's at home. You know, For whatever reason, Utah State never seems to be able to win at Colorado State or at least do it well. Last year they obviously got the win, but it was by the skin of their teeth right. and uh, the fabric of a flag and you know, half a shoe basically. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just another game that you got to win. You got to play well. It's not much to it. Yeah. Yeah. For some reason, like you're saying, Utah State has struggled with a Colorado State Air Force style offense. We've had a harder time defending against, you know, just that that option and then just throwing the deep ball once you got got the team on on their heels. But hopefully Utah State being at home can just buckle down, uh, play really well, you know, really well on defense and just hold them you know, shut down that option because obviously once that's down, there's not really too much that you can rely on the passing side of things. So, yeah, hopefully there's going to be a lot of fans at home. That's probably the biggest yeah. thing you're going to look here is this is our first home game where we're not playing Stony Brook. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> we'll have played, you know, two road games at that point at Wake Forest at San Diego State. And this is where the fans can really come out in full force. They did that against uh, Air Force. Yeah. That was that ended up being their highest Absolutely. attended game last year when it was a little over 20,000. And what ended up being really a close game that maybe you didn't think so heading into that game, but yeah. one of their toughest matchups. And I think that's something that they, like you're saying, really have to bring the fans to the stadium and try to make that as much of a you know a home field atmosphere as they can. Because even with the fans not necessarily showing up to every game last year, it was definitely an advantage when Utah State played at home. I mean, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but they blew out almost every single team when they played at home. There's also the competition. That's to true. Take into that's account. true. But I, I, it kind of... N- Nonetheless, like the the way that they play, the comfortability they have with their offense, it seems like that definitely is suited to being at home. Yeah, I think it will really help, and there will be a lot better home games later in the year. You know, Nevada, BYU, Boise State, but this is the first chance for fans to really come out. You know, if you want to be have an impact as a fan, this might be the one where maybe it turns the the tide a little bit. Yeah. Just to to assure a Utah State victory against a team they, again, I think they should beat and if they don't then it's not a good sign. Yeah. As, right. as we get be, further into the season. a rough year, yeah. 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 Well, so a team that, you know, I think most people would expect them not to beat 
the next week heading into <laughs> Death Valley. Really, really a tough matchup with uh, with LSU and Baton Rouge. Um, positives. What do we think about that game? If you don't get blown out by 40, that's positive. <laughs> that's a win. I think the biggest thing that is going to have to happen this game is to minimize injuries and to do our best just to play a good game. You know, obviously, if it turns out that we play a little bit better, you know, are able to put some points up, great. Uh, but do not lose Jordan Love or <laughs> Gerald Bright or, you know, David Woodward uh, during this game against these massive, massive Southern boys. Well, the the thing with these games, when you're so outmatched, you know, you're looking at a top five LSU team. There's not really, you know, you talk about you know, the key to winning this game. There's not a key to winning this game. You literally have to do everything right. Right. Like, right. It's either that or LSU is overrated, and by then they're, like, out of the top 25. You know, it, it happens. There's a lot of these preseason teams end up finishing outside of the top 25. It's So it's either that and LSU is overrated, or Utah State has to play perfectly and catch LSU maybe on an off night to really have a chance to win. You know, they have to pass the ball well, they have to run the ball well, or at least do one of those so spectacularly that it makes up for the other. Usually it'd be passing. And then they have to play extremely good defense, which I think they can. But, you know, if LSU scores, you know, 30 or so points, I mean, is this offense, which has a lot of questions, are they going to be able to answer that? And maybe we'll know because we're going to be five weeks into the season by then. We'll have played four games and we'll be five weeks in. Maybe we'll have a better idea. If Utah State's four and zero, we might have a little more optimism that Utah State could at least stand up to LSU. If they're two and two, three and one, or something like that, then it might depend on how those wins look and how those losses look. Absolutely. So, but again, it's a game that you don't expect to win. We didn't expect to beat Michigan State last year, um, but LSU's even better than Michigan State, and. You kind of just have to chalk it up, and if you lose yeah. by twenty or thirty, then it's like, all right, let's forget this happened. You head into another bye week, and then you know. Well, it, I think it's similar to you in Michigan State last year, where you just kind of take what you can and you know move on, tweak what you can. But I mean, not necessarily every opponent's going to be up to the level of LSU, yeah. so you can't really necessarily change too much. But um, maybe one way that they can try to v- exploit the game a little bit and take advantage of some things. I know last year. Uh, LSU ended up losing a game early on the season to Florida. And I remember watching that game, and Florida did a really good job of just limiting everything that uh, LSU did in the run game. And Joe Burrow's not necessarily the best passer. So, you know, maybe if they can put a lot of pressure on them, they might have an early opportunity, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be in it for the whole game. Yeah, see, LSU's not had the greatest quarterbacks. No. Um, see, if you can limit the run in the the good thing is that's probably going to be one of Utah State's strengths this upcoming year is stopping the run, which I love. I hate having a team that can't stop the run because yeah. it, it cripples your defense. Mm-hmm. 100%. And, and being able to stop the run actually really helps a lot, uh, more so than the other way around. Um, so if Utah State, maybe they can slow the run, then maybe if they can hold LSU to 20 or so points, if you put them in that range, this game's suddenly winnable because yeah. you have Jordan Love – and if you give them a target of 21 points, go out there and get us 21 points, do or die however you can, I have confidence that he can do that. Right. And, and I was even thinking about it as far as a scheme uh, position for Utah State with using more and more 
of our tight ends, you know, having that extra hand to, to help, bur- you know, carry the burden of uh, that defensive line of LSU to also maybe be able to create some things with that, get some open windows and, yeah. and have that passing with so I want to ask you, Jason, you were at the Wyoming game last year that was kind of a similar matchup of what we kind of maybe expect going to the LSU game, obviously a far better opponent, but um, you, Utah State really struggled to put points on the board in that game. What do you think it was specifically about Wyoming's defense that they game planned or maybe just executed on the day really well against what Utah State was trying to do? Well, it pretty much all came down to the defensive line, and they they stuffed the run with that uh, one major exception with yeah. the Trumps. And there may, I think there might have been another – 20-yard run or so that Gerald Bright had, I think. But it was about getting pressure on Jordan Love because that's Jordan Love. That's his kryptonite. You get pressure on him, and he falls to pieces. At least in that one game he did, you see similar things with Colorado State and every now and again against some of the other opponents when you look at the film. But in the Wyoming game, even on plays where he wasn't pressured at all, you could see he he was seeing ghosts. And he was yeah. way inaccurate on throws. He was never inaccurate on any other game, missing little five yard outs and you know ten yard hitches and it's just missing throws he doesn't normally yeah. miss because he's he's worried about the pressure. And he, if that's gonna be the way the LSU game is gonna be, then just say goodbye <laughs> to the win because unless Jordan Love is significantly improved there, which I don't know how much you can improve in one off season, but even then. If you're hitting a quarterback, it doesn't matter how good he is in right. terms of pocket presence. Right. You can't throw the ball when you're getting drilled. Like, I think four of Jordan Love's interceptions last year came when he was hit as he threw the ball. And it's like, there's nothing you can do. I can't blame Jordan Love because he got drilled. Right. And, you know, if that ends up being the LSU game, then like, it's going to come down to, to the offensive line. So, and. Th- I don't know. I can't say it whether or not the offensive line. If we had last year's offensive line, I'd give this – I'd be much more optimistic because they were really good in uh, pass protection, even against tough opponents like Michigan State and Boise State, Mm -hmm. who were really good pass rushing teams. But unless this offensive line can live up to that, that's why one of my pessimistic predictions for the season, I think Jordan Love's going to struggle at times because they're going to face teams like LSU and others who have good defensive lines and you won't have the same amount of protection. Yeah, well, even even with as as well as Jordan Love ended up playing in the end of that Boise State game, you could tell after that first interception that he kind of got pressured into. Um, his his play definitely got rattled a little bit after that, and it took him a couple quarters to kind of get back into a rhythm. And you know, obviously, like you're saying, LSU is going to be right there with Boise State on bringing pressure. It's it's just not something you can avoid when you play a team like that. But so let's move into the last game, uh, at least for today's episode, Nevada. Um, what do you guys think about Nevada's kind of outfit that they're going to bring in into the 2019 season do we know much about nevada right now compared to maybe the last time these two teams met well it's hard because most of these guys uh some of these like san diego state and nevada i don't remember the last matchup right uh, just because it's been so long i didn't closely follow the football team was like 2017 i was like vaguely aware but didn't really follow it too much so and i, and I didn't follow much last year because what, what was their record last year Nevada was an eight and five team last year. Yeah, so they were. I feel like every year Nevada is just like phenomenally adequate. That they're always kind of that mid range. <laughs> yeah. That they're kind of almost an Arizona Arizona State team. That yeah. For some reason, like they may give up some big games and still grind others out, or they may be like terrible, and then all of a sudden they're upsetting the better teams. So, 
it's kind of hard to grasp where they are every year, but they definitely have been a consistently decent team. <laughs> consistently mediocre. Well, if you go through and look at their schedule last year, um, statistically they put up some pretty decent numbers. Um, but if you look at game by game, um, their first couple wins were, I mean, really, really close affairs. They only pulled out a two-point win against Oregon State, who was not a good team last year. Um, only a three-point win against Air Force. Uh, beat Hawaii by 18 points. Wasn't a great team as well. San Diego State by four points. They were in a lot of close contests last year and only won by nine points uh, against a San Jose State team who was, I mean, absolutely dreadful last year yeah. in the Mountain West. <laughs> well, so, that's just like every year. San Jose State, dreadful. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a different conversation we've had before. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. Maybe this team, maybe there's some things that you can definitely exploit with this Nevada team. Um, but maybe by this point in the season, Utah State will have definitely found kind of their identity, whether it be in the run game, the pass game, kind of balancing the two out. Defensively, I think you got to say they're going to be strong against basically any opponent in the Mountain West, right? Yeah, definitely. I think that's, that's going to be key. They'll be good against the run. They'll be – pretty decent pass rushers and that'll hopefully cover up any weaknesses that the secondary may have, which again, we'll see you mentioned by now we're going to know all the answers to these questions. You know, will yeah. they have a good offensive line? We'll know. We'll know if the secondary has enough depth to be really good. We'll know, you know, who the running backs are, who the wide receivers are. So again, it's hard to project this far forward, but if they've answered most of those questions, Nevada should be just fine. You're playing at home. And if you've managed to, you know, get themselves into a groove, you know, they're not like one and four or right. something like that, then they should be fine in this game. And again, it's at home. I think that's the main thing that just swings it towards, I think they should win this game is it's at home. It's an inconsistent Nevada team. And as long as Utah state doesn't lay an egg or is somehow just completely falling apart after last season, this should be a game they win by as much as 10 or 15 points. You know, again, if they've answered most of these questions. Yeah, I think it's just an important win. Like you're saying, obviously, it's a Mountain West game and uh, a conference game. It's just something that hopefully Utah State will, by this time, be 3-0 and in the Mountain West, right? This is their third. You, you would hope that, you know, this – it'll at least give them a chance to be so because you would hope they're at least going to get a win against Colorado State. San Diego State will be a tough game, but you could probably pull a win out from there. But – at the same time, maybe, you know, get one win against Colorado State, two tough games against, you know, West opponents might even fall to one and two by that point. Yeah. And the thing is, these are the kind of games, you know, Nevada and Colorado State where I keep going back to barometers. I don't know why. Yeah. And so it's, are you still a contender? Because, again, my, my shameless plug for my optimistic, pessimistic <laughs> article is that Utah State wasn't going to be contenders. Yeah. Because I'm worried about them being able to win these kind of games, the Nevadas. It's... You know, I'm not. I'm not pointing at you know the San Diego States or the LSU's or the Boise States. I'm looking at you know, can they beat Wyoming? Can they beat Air Force? Can they beat Nevada? Can they beat Colorado State? Those are the ones where you're going to see are they going to be contenders? The difference between going three and three in the Mountain West and five and one or six and zero, oh, obviously, be the, yeah. the I- ideal outcome. And so this is where you're going to see if they beat Colorado State and they beat or at least compete with San Diego State, that's pretty good. And then Nevada should be a winnable game. Yeah. But if you're losing games to Nevada and, you know, being close against Colorado State and losing pretty bad to San Diego State, then that's where we get really, really worried by the middle of the schedule, thinking, all right, well, now we've got Air Force and Fresno and Wyoming and Boise State and all that. So, yeah, take LSU out of it. The meat of their schedule is definitely in the second half of the season. Yeah. 
And like you're saying, if they don't have the upper hand by going into those games, you can almost kiss any hopes of winning a Mountain West title, you know, away in week six, week seven. Yeah, and, and they also have another bye against us. So their first two or their two biggest Mountain West games early in the schedule, they have a bye before them. Yeah. So you should be very well prepared for both San Diego State and Nevada. If you can't win either of those games, that's not yeah. That's an awful sign. Not a good indication. Right. No, if, yeah, you can, if you can't win your two chances at a bye game, then right. I don't know what you're doing there and on the off week. Yeah. Well, and like you were saying, pulling up the schedule, it's really just a grind from Nevada on. Uh, just it's going to be a tough game after tough game that they are going to have to be prepared, have things figured out by then. Otherwise, even like you're saying, the teams that maybe are more a little bit more middle of the pack uh will will wash us out yeah well it'll be interesting to see because you know like we've mentioned previously first year in this stint head coach gary anderson and uh first year offense corner mike stanford just kind of curious to see how quick it'll take them to adjust to mountain west play and adjust to you know playing the offensive style that they want to play but we'll break at, break down that a little bit more um, in the next podcast, look, we'll, get, we'll get the real interesting. Yeah, stuff we'll get we'll get into the <laughs> real heavy, heavy, heavy part of the schedule. Um, look for that probably uh, later in this week, maybe Friday. But uh, for now, thanks guys. Thanks, for, thanks for coming, uh, breaking down some football. No problem. Gotta yeah, love, gotta love Utah State football. Go Aggies. Thanks guys. See ya. Now go.